This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you it's never too late to write your next chapter. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week is going to be a really interesting conversation. We have Liz Holland. She is a lifelong sensory processing disorder survivor and problem solver. She also is a six-time international award-winning product designer and entrepreneur who has spent her life seeking solutions to all kinds of everyday problems just to live in her unrelenting body. She's taken her diagnoses and turned them into a company that finds ways to help others. And I cannot wait to get into this whole journey and what brought you to you brought you to where you are now. So welcome to the show, Liz. I'm really happy to have you here today. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm psyched to talk to you. Great. Okay. So who are you, Liz? And how did life introduce you to this version? Well, when I'm a survivor, um, I'm a problem solver. And I, so I've taken all the knocks and twists and turns and fall down and get up and dust yourself off, you know, to what I like to do in those moments is learn. What do I need to learn from this situation so I don't continue to repeat it? It's kind of a, I believe our journey is filled with opportunities to learn and, you know, and graduate, not just be in a perpetual state of learning the same thing over and over until we finally get it. I like to expedite that journey. Um, Where I came from was was a very uh, frightening and difficult childhood, very much uh, unwanted, told that all the time. (laughs) And so I had to like figure out how to survive in that environment. And so and I was go- all these things were happening in my body. I was severely dyslexic. I, and I didn't learn that till my twenties. And, you know, so I had to keep a secret. I didn't know how to read starting at the beginning and finishing at the end, but I knew how to get information from books. And so, and then I had to like hide it from teachers and, and go on, you know, it was terrifying that part. My home was hard enough, but then school was just terrifying. And, um, but when I was diagnosed in my twenties in art school and studying industrial design, my professor first day, sophomore year said he was dyslexic. This is what it is. And that's me. Oh my God, that is me. And I was terrified to talk to him, but I got over it and I learned, you know, I have had ADD diagnosis since, and the most recent sensory processing disorder, um, diagnosis. And with all of them, I really see wonderful gifts behind them. Like dyslexia taught me how to learn so many different ways other than the reading. And I often got away with it because I would contribute. I would think analytically and contribute. And teachers thought, oh, wow, she's thinking. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was really a, a technique to get away with it, you know? And, um, and then with SPD, all of my senses are super sensitive. Um, and within each sense, there's multiple ways it can be triggered. And so as a designer, as a product designer, it makes me really good <laughs> because any little detail it bugs me. And so I have to solve that. And that's what, you know, I see it over and over again. I make prototypes all of my life before I knew I had SPD to quietly solve it on my own because the people in my life were like, what's your problem? Why don't you just get over it? And I was saying, what's my problem? Get over it. Of course, I'm supposed to get over it. Get over it. And it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. You can't will yourself to get over when your nervous system is shot to hell because you had a domino effect of of so many triggers, and then you're then you're down, and people are like, "Why?" Like, if I get hit like that, I can be like catatonic for twenty four hours. Um, it's it's a big deal. But now I get to problem solve early, notice the little triggers, fix the little triggers. Take, you know, recognize if I'm going out of the house, what are the possible triggers? What what should I bring with me so I don't get hit outside? And I feel like I do about 100 things a day, like literally to first, first rule is not have the trigger in the first place. If you can fend off the triggers. And from a sense point of view, it's kind of like close the windows. I mean, close the shades so the light's not coming in your face. They're, they're kind of practical, easy things within the own home. But, you know, outside it gets more difficult but if i can fend them off and not experience them then i'm not experiencing them that's good that's that's the best yes can you and then then the next level is um if i do experience how do i recover right and you know the only way to do that is to to acknowledge that it's happening that's the biggest thing is acknowledge wait i'm feeling something here and, you know, shutting out any other voices that are telling you that it's bad and wrong to feel that way. And, you know, acknowledge it and see if you can kind of like make an adjustment before it gets worse. And if you don't know what's happening in your nervous system, it just comes and grabs you and takes you. <laughs> uh-huh. And that's, that's my, my wish for the world on especially this product line is to one, notice your nervous system. Just notice it because most people don't. Number two, are there ways that take an answer nervous system and bring it down? Number two is also, you know, a lot of people think they can't do anything about it, but what if you could? And um, so this first line of products, my cozy products, um, had, you know, started with SPD and solving sensory stuff, but as I made it and as I got in it, (laughs) I was like, instantly my nervous system starts to settle down it's like a an adult swaddle you know and it's been a long time since we've been swaddled (laughs) you know that safety and that like i've had some really stressful days and i think ah it's not gonna work it's too i'm too stressed Mm -hmm. and then i get in and i go i get like instantly just like oh yeah Mm -hmm. feel it and that's a thank you and i've been in hundreds of times but it's still kind of, sorry, I keep on hitting the rug and it makes my camera look like So, um, yeah, that's, it became so much bigger than just sensory stuff because we all have nervous systems. We all get triggered. And with that, we have to acknowledge that it happens and find tools that will make it better. I like in this space, if they, if you have one, you're in this space and you're like, yeah, that feels better. And then you go, what other things make me feel better? You know, how can I steer my life towards the good stuff and steer my life away from those that those experiences that are very triggering? Uh-huh. And, you know, my puppy dog's here. She's another one of my tools. <laughs> I use her quite often <laughs> as a tool. And she's very happy to make mama feel better, you know. So that's, that's pretty much on that. Long answer. <laughs> No, that's great. Thank you for sharing so much. And can you give a little bit more information around what sensory processing disorder is? Because you've mentioned a number of different syndromes. 
And it can sound like a lot of different things. Right. right. And so, there's lots of words for it. Yeah. Sensory integration. Um, they're trying to stay away from, like, since I was diagnosed, stay away from the negative disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so integration. And I'm not thinking all the words in them. But they're all basically the same thing. And so what it is, is when your senses are super sensitive usually super sensitive is the experience a boy that i heard couldn't couldn't process the food in his mouth and he would choke often and he was you know when he was a teenager you know all this domo effect from a not being able to understand the food in his mouth <laughs> but mm-hmm. mostly for most of us it's, it's over stimulated that something happens where we are one or all five or you know sense of equilibrium balance there's a lot of other senses beyond the five senses but and then each sense can have multiple triggers so it's when you know you experience something in your senses and your response is is really big much bigger than anything else in the room like mm-hmm. oh my god i can't stand that smell people are like what smell like, you know, they don't get it at mm-hmm. that level and it causes for me I've had headaches every day of my life since I was a teenager. And so um, the sensory stuff is a big part of that. It, you know, if I don't fend off that, I'm, I can't function. And so I have to become very skilled at noticing every little thing and just going, okay, that's that. I can change that and that'll be better. You know, wear a hat when you leave the house because even though it's foggy, it might not be foggy. You're go- you might need it, and you're going to be bummed if you don't have it. Uh-huh. So, you know, lots and lots of those little things that go, okay, I can solve this problem right now <laughs> and before it turns into something else. And then, like, once one thing falls, all the other senses are like, <gasps> what's you know, and they might get triggered by something that they normally wouldn't be triggered by because of the domino effect. Uh-huh. And so... But that's, that's just sensory. You know, we, you know, go through hard stuff, uh, experience road rage, you know, the world, you know, the big issues of the world, global warming and, you know, civil unrest and wars and like, it's just so much and it seems to be getting exponentially worse. It's just like, I'm blown away at how bad it's been getting in the last decade you know i have enough life experience to go oh that's bigger that's way Mm -hmm. bigger than before and so like but what do we do Mm -hmm. you know we can't get into go into full depression about these things that are so outside ourselves and that's why i'm so like committed to this because it's it's such a nice little gift (laughs) help just a little bit you know it's like to come home and feel safe at least, mm-hmm. at least at home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you, that you brought that up because, you know, as we were talking before, I said a good portion of my listeners are women who are perimenopausal and menopausal. And so have also had that lived experience of seeing how the world is evolving. And so there are two things that are happening simultaneously, right? So there's our lived reality in the world that we're in, mm-hmm. as well as, how uh, our experience, how our physical bodies are experiencing the world, thanks to the fluctuation of estrogen and progesterone as mm-hmm. we move through this next transition in our lives. And there's an there's a complicated intersection that starts happening when we're noticing, like you said, world events are bigger, right? They are and. and Part of it also is this, the very interconnectedness of our planet at this point in time, our, you know, our human brains were never designed to take in the amount of information that we are bombarded Mm -hmm. by every day, right? Right. We were designed to know and understand what happens within our community of like 20 or 30 people, Mm which is manageable, but we are now a global community, which is beautiful on many levels. However, it does have a significant impact on how heightened our nervous systems become when we see, hear something happening in the world. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then also knowing that our bodies are going through this shift. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, did you notice a change in how you were experiencing the world when you started into perimenopause and menopause? Um, I kind of hit mer- menopause um, really hard because I was on the pill and right. into my early 50s. And my doctor's like, Liz, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get pregnant now. And I'm like, yeah. but I have ancestors that got pregnant at 45 and so are you sure you know so when I went off the pill it just came in like like banshees I I don't feel like I ever experienced perimenopause it was just straight to intense menopause so and that's one of the reasons here too because like there are other products that keep you warm the the one with sleeves that's like wearing a robe backwards that always mm-hmm. pissed me off. You know, it's like, just put a robe on. <laughs> like, then your shoulders are covered. What's your problem? And then, you know, the comfy that they tuck their knees in and, you know, extremities aren't addressed. They've never been addressed in a blanket. It blows me away. It seems so simple to me. But when I'm in this and I got my hands and feet in and a hot flash comes on, I'm like, boom, everything's gone. And I'm perfectly fine. I'm nice, fresh air or my narrow range of comfort. Maybe my feet are starting to get too warm. If they get too warm, that can be harder to solve than too cold. So, you know, I pop them out, let them cool down a little bit. And then when they're cool, I put them back in. And my experience of hot flashes was, you know, hot flash. But then immediately following, especially if the air in the room is cold, you're, you're cold, you're, you know, you go boom, boom, really mm-hmm. intensely. And so, you know, having this thing <laughs> that I can just wrap right back up in and be fine. Sorry, kicking the rug again. <laughs> it's okay. Um, is, you know, is how I, is one of the aspects specifically for menopause, but it's also like the world stuff. I didn't, until I made the the prototypes and, and realized, oh, this is so much bigger than keeping warm. Um, that was like, yay, this is really what I wanted to do because I have a design, there's many more in the pipeline for all kinds of things, but I really wanted this one to be so universal that everybody can relate to the experience of being too cold, their hands being freezing, they're, you know, you can have your hands in here with the finger and thumb openings, hold your book and keep your hands warm while you read your book or your iPad or use your remote or take your cat. That, that's know. actually really brilliant because I was saying just before we started, so my hands are always ice cold mm-hmm. and I torture, I live in a house of men. I have two older teenage boys and a, and a partner and I torture them by putting my ice cold hands on their neck. <laughs> this would be much more family friendly solution than me torturing them. But right. it is one of the things that I notice, And it's one of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older is that when I am reading Mm-hmm. My, my hands absolutely are freezing and I haven't been able to find a way to get like in the covers the way I need to and hold the book and turn the page without my hands getting really cold. So That's why the finger and thumb openings work really well. <laughs> that is a very smart solution. And Thank it's you. also Thank like, you this gift to the world. Seams really bug me. So we have good fabric on both sides. It's two layers. So it's extra warm than your thickest blanket fleece blanket you can find mm-hmm. so it's two layers under your hand so that the seam i if it had a seam there it would drive me insane so it doesn't and then we have a polar fleece backing and then two layers so it's five layers of fleece on each pocket including the foot pocket that goes up around the ankles because cold ankles suck as well (laughs) so you know who wants cold ankles we have the kid version for when your grandkids come over if if Mm -hmm. our audience is our age haven't got there myself yet but you know it's it settles them down too you know they're bouncing off the walls they desperately need a nap you're trying to get them to take a nap and they refuse and then you're like hey go get in your cozy cozy i'll be there in a minute and then Mm -hmm. when you arrive it's just it's just takes them to oh yeah Yeah. and there's onked out we almost called it the magic napper but we want to keep it a 
a secret from the kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they know we're doing that. And then yes. the rebellious one will find, you know, no, I'm not getting <laughs> in that. <laughs> so I think this is a really good time to circle back to the nervous system. So I mm-hmm. what you're talking about is that sense of safety, right? That that pressure can provide when it wraps around you because when our nervous systems are activated, there's an excess of cortisol generally in our systems, right? That is what, so it elevates our heart rate. It makes our breathing faster. It slows digestion. It does all of these things in our body that up until fairly recently, we just didn't know Right. So when you said earlier, people don't pay attention to their nervous system. I think that's something that's really important to focus on and to mm-hmm. learn about because there's a, a connection. And this is not for this is not for all people. Everybody's different. But between there, but between anxiety Mm-hmm. and how our body physically processes it. So yes, anxiety is an, is a feeling, but it mm-hmm. also creates physical responses in our bodies. Yes. So can you speak to that a little bit more? Definitely, because it's, if we notice it first, you know, it's like, oh crap, that happened. You know, it takes, takes a while, it takes training in yourself and a commitment in yourself to continue to track it. But when you get, a good understanding of what's happening and you track it on a regular basis, it's also really good information. You know, what are the things that shoot me through the roof? What are the things that bring me joy, make me happy? You know, how can I balance out those things? And the paying attention to nervous system gives you clear messages. This is hard on me. And so, like, how do I not have that? Or how do I not give so much of my time, energy, love, attention to the thing that is, I, that is really bad? I have what I call 51% philosophy. And I believe that all human beings need at least 51% positive to 49% negative to, you know, to function in life. And so, like, I developed this at the beginning of my diet. No, no, it was just before I was diagnosed um, about eight years ago. And, you know, I'm trying, I, I started thinking, Hey, you know, how can I balance these things out? How can I push these away? And, and my younger daughter comes to me, mom, when are things going to get better? It was literally just an insanely difficult time. And I'm like, I don't know, but we'll get there. And it, through the way we fiercely loved each other. We've been there for each other. We will continue to do that when we are through this dark, mucky tunnel. And I'm like, at least none of us have cancer. None of us been shot. We don't live in a war zone. There is worse. Um, And then two weeks later, my older daughter gets diagnosed with cancer. Mm. (laughs) I'm like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, just because I, you know, don't, shoot anybody now. So, but that's a severely negative, difficult thing that is not something I can push away. I can't, I have to, I have to deal with it. I have to be my very best self to be able to deal with it. But it definitely shined a light on all the crap that I didn't have to deal with, or I could push away. I found if you shove it away, they come back meaner. So you just kind of like limit the amount of time, energy, love, attention you're going to devote to them. And, you know, maybe it naturally falls off. Maybe you make some strong commitments, but how do you, that's how I got really good at that. And when we got through the tunnel, I certainly wasn't going to come back to that. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it was 80, 85%. You know, we, we survived that. It's a, it was incredibly hard, but that that 51% technique was really big. And on the good side of things, like if you have that moment that's like so yummy, can you take five seconds and be like, yes, yes, that's the stuff. I love that stuff. Feel the endorphins. Yay. Uh-huh. Five seconds. That's all. Yeah. And if you get good at that, then maybe give yourself 10. And so the ratio without adding more physical time, which you want to do too. You want to attract 
that energy too, but in a state of overwhelm, in a state of, of learning and growing, it's not like you can instantly do that. So the five second thing is something that we all can do. And then in that process, your nervous system tells you that's the good stuff. That's the stuff we're going to try and, you know, put limits on. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, really, really learning the lessons and graduating from the, you know, mental abuse, drugs and alcohol abuse, physical abuse, uh, emotional abuse. You know, I had a lot to graduate from and I didn't, I had to take it one at a time. And mm -hmm. I wasn't really aware of the next one until I was, <laughs> until it's like, oh yeah, now I got to graduate from this one and, you know, roll up my sleeves and do some seriously hard work to graduate. But, you know, I also could tell myself I've been here before and I graduated before. This is a different level. And I know this muck in the tunnel and my my mantra was trudge just trudge mm. if you lie down in the muck you're stuck in the muck <laughs> right yes one foot in front of the other and eventually you'll get there and uh -huh. so, but and i it's... love that the nervous system just it doesn't lie it doesn't it doesn't provide wrong information mm -hmm. you know like people can <laughs> you no, know it is always accurate and I think what's interesting, I've talked a lot on the show and I, one of the techniques I use is music to help me come back into my mm -hmm. body. Because when we are in those, in those really hard spaces, mm -hmm. we tend to vacate the body, mm -hmm. right? We try to escape. And when we are living outside of our body and escaped from the physical realities of who we are, it's actually really difficult to tune mm -hmm. into your nervous system because you have made that intentional disconnection because you don't want to feel all the stuff. Mm -hmm. But those messages are giving us really important information. And I think it's important that you brought up the, um, the good feelings too, because when we escape our bodies, yes, we escape the hard, but it means mm -hmm. that we also escape the joyous, the beautiful, mm -hmm. the exciting, the, um, I often talk about how I actually use calm as a numbing feature where I just always try to stay in a very calm state, mm -hmm. which on the outside might seem like a really good thing, but it means that I don't experience the hot, like I don't experience the really great. So that's, I, I mean, I'm working on that. I'm getting, I'm getting better, but that was the way I vacated my body was right. by going to the space of just continual calm and nothing ever ruffled me or if it right. did it took a lot right um and so some of these really really practical tools and strategies that you're talking about are things that can help bring us back into our into our bodies right mm -hmm. so the blanket is a it's a it's something physical it's something so simple but that pressure and that that can actually work to bring us back into our bodies so we can yeah and it does and you know like i said i get surprised often <laughs> by how well it works it's just like <sighs> i've done videos where where my voice completely changes mm -hmm. um, when I, I'm talking and then I wrap myself in and I feel this, I can hear the voice change when I review the video and I'm like, ah, I couldn't have faked that if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yes. And the more we've been disconnected from our nervous system, the, it, it can be a little scary at first. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, the, ego or whatever you want to call it wants to wants to prove that this is wrong you don't mm -hmm. we don't want you here yeah. learning and growing we want to we want to be in control and so it can be scary but it's also like if you let it all in you let the good stuff in too then it reduces how scary the bad stuff is mm -hmm. and yeah 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 it also feels unfamiliar Right. Mm -hmm. When you've spent a long time living outside of your body, part of the discomfort of, of coming back in is that you feel like a stranger to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that it, that alone can activate our nervous system. 
Mm -hmm. Right. So I think what you are saying there is really important about just recognizing and giving yourself some space to know that this might be uncomfortable for a little while because you're getting to know yourself in a way that either you haven't for a long time or perhaps never have. Right. Or, and you've been in environments where people negate your feelings. Yes. Negate what you're experiencing. What's your problem? Get over it. You know, and then you feel like, what is my problem? I should get over it. And, and it, you know, you're mad at yourself for not being, I, I, when I get sick, I, because all the stuff I deal with, I get really sick. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in freeze, which I didn't know what, what it was, but I could mm-hmm. not function. I couldn't get out of bed. And I was incredibly thirsty and the water was right there. And I'm like, I couldn't get the water. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I, this water bottle, I even, don't even have to lift my head because I can turn it upside down, push the button. Mad at myself, so mad at myself that I couldn't even drink the water when mm-hmm. my mouth was really, really dry. Talked to my therapist about that. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's freeze. That's the deeper level of trauma. You have fight or flight, you are in freeze. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine a, a little animal scurrying through the forest and a hawk is flying over, might <laughs> come and get it. It goes into freeze. It completely, mm-hmm. like, I'm not here. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary at first, but it's also incredibly rewarding. I've told this to my daughter about, like, the hard work. They, you know, they say, oh, yeah, these transformations, the things you have to do is really hard work. And it is hard work, but they don't tell you that every time you make a stride towards towards living better, Uh it's incredibly rewarding. They don't, like, every little step is incredibly rewarding. So don't be afraid of the hard. Uh It will be hard. But it won't, there also is this joy, this, this feeling of accomplishment that nobody can mess with because it's your nervous system. You get to, you get to live in your body. And if you need to close them away to tune in, then, then, you know, that's a good thing to give yourself the space you need to, to learn and grow into your body. Um, And, you know, you might choose to have different people in your life. I always say, I don't, it it takes a lot of energy for me to hang out with even the people I love the most, having the best time in the world. But every single time I'm knocked down when I come home, because I've used all my adrenaline. And, and so I'm like, if I only have a limited amount of time to give out in the world, I'll only hang out with the best people. You have to qualify to be worth knocking down. And I'm like, I don't have to hang out with assholes anymore. (laughs) And, you know, I, I left a lot of every, I consider different stages of my life, whole different lifetimes. And, you know, I've left that stuff behind. And now I live with the most beautiful man you could ever imagine. And, uh, you know, so much love and support. I'm doing my life's work. Yes, things are challenging. Things fall through. You fall down. You make mistakes. It's like, uh, but it's my life's work and it feels so right. Even though I got to design tennis rackets for about seven years and one six international industrial design awards. I'm an avid tennis player. I play on teams, but my partner does too. So we like cheer each other on and you know, that was really, really fun work for me, but this is, this is my life's work. It is purpose. <laughs> so there's two, there's two things that I sort of want to pull the threads on there. And that is, again, getting back to that sort of midlife theme. That's one of the things that um, is, can be true about perimenopause and menopause is that you do have less tolerance mm-hmm. for <laughs> the humans who are around you. And giving yourself some grace about that, I think, is really important because women in particular have been really programmed to abandon yourself 
so that everybody else around you feels comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to the, the, the gift element that you were talking about. Like, even if we go through things that are hard, there are gifts that come along with it. And the gift mm-hmm. of having less tolerance for humans around you who are mm-hmm. energy expensive mm-hmm. means... I like that, that word, energy expensive. Yeah. Borrow that one. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know the work of Stuart Shanker. I don't know if you've heard that name. So he's a Canadian scientist who's doing a lot of work around self-regulation and the the nervous system. So it's work that I learned from um, a really brilliant colleague of mine, and we were using it with kids in schools, but it's it's relevant to all humans. And it's that when your nervous system is activated, it is literally energy expensive in your body right? Like it's using a ton of calories. It's why when you have, like, maybe you could speak to how it, how the exhaustion feels afterward, but when you do have an event where your nervous system is activated afterwards, you are absolutely exhausted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Have- especially if it dominoes, especially if it's um, just really big, you know, that and surprising is particularly hard. I had a box around. I had come from running errands. I already had a really bad headache. I came, had this box. I opened up and toxic smell came out with it. And it was just like, oh my God. And, you know, so I couldn't do anything different. I, that, I was stuck with that experience. But I also mm-hmm. was catatonic for 24, maybe even 30 hours yeah. afterwards. And, um, but there's grace there. Damn, that was a really tough series of events that I couldn't have done anything t- different. And this is where I am. And I have uh-huh. to honor that. And I have to try to gently get myself functioning again. Yes. You know. And it really means, like you said earlier, you have to pay attention and really give to yourself and really give to those needs. The example I always used to use was um, when kids who speak another language first enter into an English school, especially little kiddos who are four or five, it is very common that by the the last hour of the day, they're asleep on their desk Mm -hmm. because of the amount of, I mean, just the sound is electrical waves, right? So that's actually what we're processing. So they're processing all of this different sound. They're processing different scents. They're processing how how do I interact with people, which is immensely energy expensive, and they fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And the best thing to do is let them sleep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Be compassionate that what they're going through, like step into their shoes. I, you know, our ability to take care of everybody else and make them happy is because we can be empathetic. We can understand how they're feeling, how they're feeling, you know, and try to accommodate it all for people. And, and you know, we leave ourselves last, and uh-huh. if at all. Yes. And so, you know, really understanding the gift of giving it to yourself first and knowing what works for you in these situations. And, you know, then when you give to them, you get, that feels good too. Uh You know, you're in the space of, yeah, I love taking care of people instead of like, I have nothing left. Um, And so, you know, really understanding there's a bigger win-win here if I, and possibly win, 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 (laughs) you know, if I, acknowledge and be, you know, get myself straight, then take care of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in that journey, they might very well be going through what you go through. So you have some wisdom to impart, you know, they are at an earlier stage of what you're working on and not being preachy, but just, just being able to have communicate your journey enough for that to be intriguing and that they that you leave an invitation there and they can come to you and you know learn more for themselves you know that's a great thing i i just love uh-huh. that about giving you know uh-huh. it's, um you know 
if we do it right, it's very, very rewarding. Absolutely. If we do it in mm -hmm. an obligatory way or in a re resentful way or taking care of them and I don't need anything, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be that much of a gift to them, even though mm -hmm. you do try, you're taking care of them first, you know, yes. the energy is not. Well, it Not has the energy of resentment, right? And it has the energy of resentment flowing through it, right? Whether right. <laughs> whether you express it or not, resentment is palpable, right. and and people can sense that. So, yeah, it is. I had another guest who talked about uh, if you're pouring from an empty cup of resentment, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's even more. It doesn't feel good to the person who's receiving it, right? Right. So, right. Um, even if it's neutral, and you're not taking care of yourself you know, and you're putting everybody else first, that energy comes across too. And there's just, you know, the invitation to have it be a bigger win. How can this be? That's why, you know, it started out being a good blanket for people with sensory issues, but, you know, grew to this thing that can truly help everybody. And, mm -hmm. and if we just start there, like when my daughters are like freaking out or, you know, really, Concerned with world events, I'm like, yes, yes, the world is fucked up. And I agree with you in all these ways. And I am tracking that. I'm limiting my, and I had to put myself on a news diet. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but right here and now is the thing I'm doing to help the world. Yes. You know, does this product help the world? Yeah, I hope so. I think so. And that's important. And, you know, being crippled by world events doesn't help anybody. And so, you know, it's like, yeah, I feel, I feel blessed that I actually, you know, my products actually can help people. That's, you know, that's why compared to tennis rackets, this is my life's work because I get it at such a deep level. And, and, you know, as I said, sensory processing disorder made me a really good designer because I notice every detail of things I don't mm -hmm. like anything sticking out or you know so many things bug me <laughs> my man is so good at tracking them all and being willing to to uh you know that didn't work for that did work for me yesterday and doesn't work for me today and well, again tomorrow and you know he uh not only tracks it but he you know he thanks me for it <laughs> you know beyond, beyond of a giving good it partner. to me he'll, he'll end up he thanked me in his sleep one time. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> that That's great. For everything. But he reminds me that generosity is always a good thing. Mm -hmm. So we thank each other like crazy. Yeah. And it's authentic. It's not overdone. I mean, and he inspires me to do, be better about mm -hmm. that in the world. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that kind of kindness is what often is missing from partnerships and relationships because we see each other all the time. So we think, Oh, well, I don't need to. They, but it really does make a difference when you express Absolutely. it and live in those moments of gratitude. And just in our last few minutes, I wanted to talk to you about the, so going from the tennis rackets to mm -hmm. designing your new, your new line of products. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it is another theme of women in midlife or humans in midlife actually, who start, having the whisperings of the choices that you made served you at a certain time, mm -hmm. but they're not serving you anymore. Right. Right. So can you talk a little bit about the transition from designing tennis rackets? Cause clearly you were really good at it. And I think people so sometimes get stuck in that, but I'm really good at this thing. Maybe mm -hmm. it's not bringing me joy, but I'm really good at it. So right. some of the transition that you went through from something you were really good at to something that now really fills your soul. Well, uh, working for male CEOs. So in the tennis racket world, you know, it was just like, he just destroyed the company. The company has gone bankrupt four or five times since then. He took away all those rackets that won awards that we had, um, you know, 150 touring pros playing with he completely threw it in the trash to make like five dollar cheaper plastic inserts you know just stupid things that um that destroyed the company he got a golden parachute and now the company's like one one twentieth of 
the people. It only sells in one place in the country. You know, they just screwed it over. Worked for mm -hmm. another one, Green Industrial Design. Took a year and a half to close Disney Worldwide. I was working on commission and the CEO canceled the contract with them. Screwed me out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. and that was the final nail in my coffin for my marriage, which was good. But it was just like one hit after another, after another, after another. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I marched myself in, into UCSF. And I was like, somebody needs to listen to me. <laughs> I'm really having a tough time. And I might be delightful right now because that's how my coping me mechanism out in the world. But I am really, really having a hard time. And so, you know, it took a long time to find a doctor that could really help me. She was the one that diagnosed with SPD. And then like puzzle pieces were coming together in my life. And, um, you know, it was like, oh, I get that I've been doing this. My dad was an inventor. So mm -hmm. every night around the dinner table was talking about what dad did today. You know, and that part of him was really cool. And the other parts were difficult. But I was absorbing all the details of the mechanisms and, and you know, paying attention to all that. So, you know, when I, when I thought, wait a second, I've been making things. I was quietly making them and dealing with them on my own because my world didn't want to hear anything about anything that I was thinking, feeling, or anything. <laughs> it's like, why am I here? <laughs> so I, you know, I had to make some hard cuts, but it wasn't, you know, Arthur gets cancer. We're having trouble keeping the lights on. So, um, you know, I had the vision I was doing on my own. And then Phil and I got together and, you know, having a partner that believes in you and that is supportive was mm -hmm. like, oh, I guess that does really matter a lot because, you know, it, it does. I could yep. fall down and he would help me up. And, and so, you know, it was layers and layers of work beforehand, but then it was like, okay, let's bring these things to market. And because I had some experience working with manufacturing and, you know, I'd go to the the manufacturer and tennis rackets. I'd go a different trip for tennis bags. And, um, and so, you know, I know a lot about the process, you know, and any product starts with an idea, then you've got to execute that idea. Then you have to um, produce it in a way that works and then you have to market it. And then it's got to go out to like all of these pieces from, you know, idea to, to even where it's going to go in after it's been used, like into a landfill or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. there's all these, these pieces to a product being successful. And since I had worked in almost all the pieces, I'm like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, I got this, but there also have been huge challenges connecting with the wrong people that just kind of ripped me off and, and took my money and didn't do what they promised. And, you know, it's a mm -hmm. challenging, hard road. Um, not for the faint of heart, I always say, if you want to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> but again, the gifts, like learn the lesson and you fall down. I'm, that's always my commitment. I'm allowed to fall down. But I want to learn my lesson and graduate as soon as possible and not do that again, at least. <laughs> There'll be more things I do that are, you know, that I need to get myself back up and figure out what I need to do from there. It's, you know, but I'm a good problem solver and I'm always thinking about problems. I'm always making prototypes to live in this body that, you know, it's crazy. I probably make one a week on average just for myself. <laughs> just, and, it, you know, they're in the pipeline if they're good to sell, you know, I have. So it's just that's, that's the journey for me. Uh -huh. And I you think, know. yeah, the connection that you made there of, you know, what you did in your early life built all the skills that you need that you can now use to really fulfill your soul's purpose and what mm -hmm. feels really good for you now. So it's not, it's an evolution, mm -hmm. right? It's really more of an evolution. So yes. thank you. And definitely like bringing the people in that, that get it. 
you know, I will, I reward really, really well, you know, but we have to roll up our sleeves and do the work and get it. And they're passionate about it. You know, it's my life's dream right now just to have one person work for me (laughs) other than the contract people that I work with, but just to have one person help carry this load would be lovely. Yes. (laughs) I hear you about that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. All of the information for where you can find cozies will be in the show notes. So friends, if you need to, if you need something to help you out, all of that information will be there. And Liz, thank you so much. It was a pleasure today. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for joining me on this transformative journey. Your support means the world. If you resonated with our conversation and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. Connect with me about how you can reclaim your own magic. Check the show notes for all the ways you can find me. Subscribe and share. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Join the conversation on social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at LBoat. You can also find me on Facebook and TikTok. And if you know someone whose story could inspire others, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, your support fuels my mission to share authentic stories of transformation. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels on this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.